Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is discuss Wolverine. I'm your host Ryan, today's episode we are continuing our six-week exploration of the hunt for Wolverine. This time we are going to cover the four-issue miniseries Hunt for Wolverine Mystery in Madripoor. So I know on the last episode I said that uh, tentatively my schedule for the upcoming five weeks would be Claws of a Killer first, and probably then Adamantium Agenda, then Mystery of Madripoor, then Weapon Lost, or whatever it was that I had said. Rereading these four miniseries prior to recording these episodes, I decided that Claws of a Killer, though it's still, I think, my least favorite of the four, I actually did find a few things in it that I enjoyed more than I remembered. So um, it's not as bad as I thought. So uh, I do still have the least to say about Claws of a Killer, though. So I'm actually going to move Claws of a Killer to the end, and I will cover that one as well as the Hunt for Wolverine uh wrap-up one-shot, which is called Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends. I'll cover both of those on the same episode. So that will be the fifth episode of this six-part series. So to do that, I actually bumped Mystery and Madripoor up, and that's the one that we're going to cover today. So initially, when I read these first four, when they came out back in the summer of 2018, I think they kind of varied, but it was generally between May and September that these four uh, four-issue miniseries released. Uh, Mystery in Madripoor was was my favorite originally, just because I love the team uh, that's in the book, not the necessarily the creative team, but I love the team that they put together in the book. I loved going back to Madripoor and exploring that era of Wolverine. I've always found the patch era of Wolverine to be super interesting, and I would really love to see something in the movies or the TV shows or anything that that deals with Wolverine's time there, especially as Patch. Uh, so that miniseries, this one, Mystery of Madripoor, had the most promise for me. So I remember reading through, I really liked it. There is a very big paradigm shift for one of the major ex-ladies that's in this book. And it was something that I, as well as several other fans, had been hoping to see. And so I felt like this book delivered on the promise on this second reread that I did right before recording these episodes, um, it didn't hit as hard. I didn't really find that this miniseries was as good as I remembered, especially in the era areas of art. Uh, but we'll get into that as I start jumping into these issues. Uh, the covers for the first two I really loved, both uh, Greg Land covers, and I know that Greg Land is um, divisive among the X community, and I understand why. You know, his he generally draws the same look on all the women's faces, and even with his men and stuff, it's not necessarily contrived. But I think Greg Land's developed a style, and that's just what he does now. Every Greg Land piece of art looks like a Greg Land piece of art. Um, and it's not just because of his signature style. It's really in the way that he draws all the characters, you know, the same face shape, same body size and shape and stuff. And it's ironic because I enjoy Greg Land's artwork, but when we dive into this series, the regular artist on this series for the interiors has the same problem and it doesn't quite work as well. So we'll get into that. But Greg Land did the covers for the first two, and then Giuseppe Camoncoli came in and took over the cover work for the, the latter two in this series. And honestly, Camoncoli is one of my favorite artists. I thought he did an excellent job in the Darth Vader series that he had done a few years back with uh, Charles Soule. But I actually found the covers that Greg Land did to be a little bit better. I don't know, maybe it's just the, the way that he does covers with the dynamic posing and such uh, that it really works for me as an X-Men fan. I really like when Greg Land comes in and does some covers. Interior work, that's another story. But the covers of these two, they hit and they hit hard. The creative team throughout this whole miniseries is going to be the same. We have Jim Zub on writing. We have Tony Silas on artwork. We have Felipe Sobrero on colors. And we have letters from VC's Joe Sabino. Now, in issue four of this miniseries, they did bring on additional 
uh, creators for the art. So the art for number four was actually handled by Tony Silas and Leonard Kirk, as well as Felipe Sobrero and Andrew Crossley. So I don't know if there was a problem with the deadline or maybe there was some sort of a flashback or something like that. So they brought in a separate team so that the, the two styles were distinctively different. Uh, that's something for me to think about when I get to issue four and start discussing that one with you guys. But yeah, ultimately the creative teams for the whole series remain the same writing from Jim Zub. Now I've never actually read any Jim Zub comics. I know that he does some, I think it's for IDW. He does like a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons comics. And I believe that he even actually wrote a few of the, uh, D and D five E core rule books that were, simplified for younger players, which I actually uh, am considering picking up for my 10-year-old son. Uh, he's pretty interested in getting some D&D going. I've got a bunch of character sheets and the core rule books. I've never actually played D&D, uh, but it's something that, that we're interested in. And so that's kind of something where I saw that name and I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. I, I do, in fact, recognize this name. But yeah, at the time back in 2018, I don't think I knew who Jim Zub was. Uh, and so I didn't really know what to expect from this series. So again, to sum up, what happened in the hunt for Wolverine is Wolverine has been dead. He is encased in a statue of adamantium and a team of Reavers came into this location where it was held to try to steal it. A team of X-Men then came in to uh, prevent that from happening. Throughout the course of the battle, we found out that Wolverine's body was no longer actually entombed in this adamantium casing it had actually been taken by the x-men and hidden somewhere else so the reavers were unable to complete their mission in taking wolverine's body and then kitty goes back to the grave of wolverine and discovers that his body is in fact missing but now we don't know what happened to it we don't know if he's still alive if he's dead we get some flashes that show that he probably is alive and then of course there was the where's wolverine which was about 12 different issues that had these little couple of page backup stories at the end that showed that Wolverine is in fact alive and kicking it in the Marvel Universe. So now Kitty decides, hey, if Wolverine is back, we need to figure out what's going on. She set up four, well, she set up three different teams to kind of track down separate leads. One team dealing with Avengers, one team kind of dealing with his more ninja background, and then Kitty and her team going to Madripoor. And that's what we have here. Uh, we have a, an X-Men team of everyone's favorite X-Ladies led by Kitty on this mission to Madripoor to see if they can't track down some leads on Wolverine's whereabouts. The team consists of Kitty Pride, Psylocke, Storm, Jubilee, Rogue, and a new character who uh, joins the team for this series, Domino. She didn't actually show up in the Hunt for Wolverine miniseries, but she is going to be a regular on this team of uh, what I've been calling Logan's Angels. I mean, it's not kind of fair because all of these X-Men characters are awesome in their own right and have earned their individual names, but for the sake of this story, I'll just be referring to this group of X-Ladies as Logan's Angels. So that starts off with narration, we assume from Psylocke because it's this like purplish, pinkish uh, thought, not necessarily thought bubbles, but narration bubbles. And it starts off with Wolverine and Psylocke having like a little duel at some sort of martial arts temple in what I'm assuming is Japan. There's a Torii gate there and it's got Japanese looking architecture. So I'm assuming it's Japan. I mean, it could be Madripoor could be like Korea or China, but considering that Betsy is currently in the body of a Japanese assassin and Wolverine has so many ties to the country of Japan itself that uh, I'm just assuming this little duel is happening here in Japan. Betsy, of course, is using a katana and we have Wolverine with his claws out. And it doesn't seem to be a terrible duel. It's just, you know, probably a friend friendly duel. Um, and she just kind of recounts, you know, we loved Wolverine. We all did. He was always there for us and never in like a weird way. He was always just a friend when we needed one. He was a mentor when we needed one, that sort of thing. And so that takes us into the introduction of the actual team. We have Psylocke, Kitty, Jubilee, Storm, Rogue, all hanging out in what appears to be an X-Jet or a Blackbird, if you will. And we have Domino 
flying the plane. Then, of course, Kitty goes, not Kitty, excuse me, Psylocke goes into just a brief rundown of of how they ended up on this plane and what the deal is, what they're doing, which, of course, I just recapped when we talked about the hunt for Wolverine. Of course, Domino doesn't really seem to fit in with these other uh, Logan's Angels, mostly because she's never really been an X-Man. Whenever she's in an X-adjacent book, it always seems to be X-Force, or at least one of its iterations. So even though she knows all the various X-Ladies, she's never really been on a team with with any of these characters. And, and there could be some bad blood between Kitty and Domino, especially considering Kitty's on-and-off-again relationship with Peter and Domino's relationship with Peter in the um, Cable, Cable and X-Force series. So Kitty kind of tells Domino, like, hey, here's the deal. Like, you offered to help because you heard that we were going to track down some leads and try to figure out what's going on with Logan. So you're here because we've invited you here and because you offered the help. So if you're going to help, then help. Uh, There's a little bit of bickering going on between the two of them that's mostly unimportant. But it's enough to kind of have Kitty go up to Psylocke and have a telepathic conversation. It's like, hey, um, here's the deal. If this all goes south... Um, I'm going to need you to just mind wipe all of this from Domino's memory. And Psylocke's like, yeah, I'm not really comfortable with doing that sort of thing. And Kitty's like, I don't care. You're going to do it if I tell you to do it. So already we're kind of seeing that this Kitty is, uh, she's a little on edge here. uh, And rightfully so. Otherwise, they arrive in Madripoor with no other incidents. Of course, when they arrive in Madripoor, who is there but Magneto himself already waiting on the runway. Now, at this point in the comics, Magneto was leading the team of time-displaced teenage X-Men in the pages of X-Men Blue, but as Kitty says, every time Magneto becomes good and joins the good guys, eventually he gets bored and starts returning to his evil ways. Also, if someone were going to take Logan's body out of a metal statue, one of the only things or people on earth that actually can do anything to adamantium is the master of magnetism. He would be able to crack open that statue, take out Wolverine's body and put the statue right back together again with not even a second thought. So obviously he becomes a suspect just because not necessarily that he maybe has the motives behind wanting to take Wolverine's body, but because he has the ability to do so. So that's one of the main reasons why Logan's Angels have come to Madripoor. It's to investigate Magneto, and he's already here waiting for them. There's a brief little exchange between the two parties. Eventually, Magneto says, look, I have nothing to hide, but unfortunately, you know, I am taking care of some business right now. Why don't you guys go check into your hotel or whatever, make yourselves comfortable, and let's meet up and have dinner at the King's Impresario Restaurant, 10 p.m. tonight. I won't even wear my helmet. You can have Psylocke read my mind. It'll all be good. So Logan's Angels are like, all right, good enough for us. We'll go check in and we'll meet you 10 o'clock tonight. And as they're leaving we see that this Magneto character may not have actually been Magneto. Instead, it's this weird-looking ex-lady, or not ex-lady, but this weird-looking lady who doesn't have any hair or anything, like the top of her head is translucent, and you can see her brain inside. And I don't think that we get her name quite yet, but she is talking to someone else, having a mental conversation. As the X-Women leave, she says, My lady, the X-Men have arrived, six in total. The other person says, Good, after nearly draining our guest dry, Sapphire is still quite hungry. She's insatiable nowadays. So, this obviously isn't Magneto, who's been talking to the X-Men. Instead, there's something sinister afoot on the island of Madripoor, and it has to do with a different team of evil women. If you're in Madripoor, naturally the first place to start looking for leads on Wolverine's possible location, if he is in fact in Madripoor, is Wolverine's original hangout, the Princess Bar. An important part of the secret life Logan lived here in Madripoor, according to Psylocke. So naturally they come start here, it's all the X-Men ladies, and they're talking to the bartender, and they said like, hey, I'm looking for... We're looking for Wolverine, we're looking for Logan, and he's like, yeah, Patch hasn't been here in God knows how long. 
so I don't really have any information for you. And Kitty says, look, we were told that if we ever needed to find Logan, or if we ever needed help, and we were in Madripoor, to come here and say the safe word, Yashida. And the bartender, who's taking a sip of his drink, starts coughing and sputtering into his cup. And he's like, oh, okay, I got it. So you guys aren't just friends of Logan, you're family. Follow me. And he leads them to this little, like, bunker below the floor, I guess. It's kind of like this little basement bunker type deal. And it's got all of these, like, personal effects of Logan. It's got his samurai armor that he wore way back when. It's got a bunch of his swords and things, some of his journals and books, uh, pictures and mementos of his past. And the guy's like, look, here's the deal. When Patch rebuilt this place way back when, he paid a little extra to have this safe room put in. And I'm the only one that knows about it other than him. And he said, if family ever came looking and they said the word, to show him this place. There seems to be at least one piece in this, uh, this little bunker that has to do, that, you know, brings up some personal memory of each of them. There's like this little cat statue head that Storm remembers giving, giving to Logan and saying, you know, it's tradition in our village that we give these to our family to let them know that we'll always be there for them. He has a journal entry um, and, a, and a handwritten letter from Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, um, who was someone close to Wolverine in the past. You know, they did a lot of missions together when they were both clandestine government agents. And of course, that's how Rogue got her powers. In the comic books, Rogue stole her powers from Captain Marvel because way back when, Mystique and Rogue were actually Captain Marvel villains uh, when they were all first introduced and stuff. So there's some history there between Logan and Carol, as well as Logan and Rogue, as well as Rogue and Carol. So it's this weird kind of thing. So, you know, Rogue has her memories charred. Of course, now we see as Psylocke is looking at this samurai armor that she remembers again this duel between her and logan that we saw at the very beginning of the issue and even kitty finds something she actually finds a picture of herself in one of her terrible costumes that she wore you know in the early days of the comics when claremont was writing kitty pride uh, she couldn't settle on two different things she couldn't settle on a cool superhero name and she couldn't settle on a costume and there were some that were pretty bad and uh, one of them is like, she's got green shorts, these like weird rainbow socks with roller skates, uh, this like bright pink kind of top, uh, and these like bright pink gloves and this really <laughs> stupid looking mask. Anyway, Logan has a framed picture of her in that suit. He probably gets a kick out of it. It seems that really the only one that doesn't have some sort of personal memory or memento in here is Domino although there probably is at least a couple, because she does have a history with Logan as well. Needless to say, they're hanging out here, and then they decide, well, we should probably get dressed and go meet Magneto for dinner. So they do. They get super dressed up, and they head to the King's Impresario restaurant to meet up with Magneto for their 10 p.m. dinner date. They immediately sit down and begin to question Magneto, like, hey, here's the deal. Wolverine's body's gone. We don't know what's going on. And, uh, well, we need to rule you out as a suspect, needless to say. And almost immediately, as Psylocke begins to mind probe Eric while they're all sitting here, uh, they realize, oh, that's not Eric. He's not even here. We're, like, having our mind controlled or we're having these images kind of put into our mind. It's a trap. And like, as soon as she says it's a trap, they find out, okay, this weird brain lady is a psychic person with incredible mind shields. And she immediately takes out Storm with like a mind blast. And then a woman in green shows up and says, well done, mind blast. So um, a little on the nose, but at least now we know this lady's name. Of course, we also know this woman in green. It is Viper former leader of Hydra, former fiance of Wolverine, and all-around bad lady. Whenever Viper shows up, it is bad news. Obviously, we already have Storm taken out, so we know that's the drill. Another lady shows up, and she says, they call me Knockout, and she just, like, punches Rogue and knocks her out cold. Um, not everybody has a cool 
name sometimes um sometimes these names are just on the nose like what can you do oh you can control your hair with your mind we're gonna call you hair lady like that's the amount of imagination in here um another one another lady here named bloodlust who uh comes in and takes out domino there's another lady here named snake whip which is of all the dumb names so far i think snake whip is probably the worst and it doesn't even seem like her whip is made out of a snake it's just that's what they call her anyway she takes out jubilee which pretty much means that uh psylocke is like the biggest heavy hitter left so now her and mind blast are kind of going at it but before psylocke can really get her psychic knives going or a psychic assault going another woman shows up this one we find out is named sapphire sticks and basically what she does is she's like a soul vampire so if she's touching you she can like feed on your soul and like that's what she does she touches psylocke from behind and just starts i don't know eating psylocke's soul absorbing psylocke's soul she's kind of like rogue only instead of like powers and memories and stuff she's just like sucking the life energy out of Psylocke's very soul. Um, and so she knocks Psylocke out. Um, luckily, Kitty hasn't been attacked yet, and she's about to be punched by knockout, and she just phases through her. She grabs Jubilee, and she grabs Domino, who are reeling from their attacks, but hadn't actually yet been knocked unconscious. And she just grabs the two of them and phases through the floor. Viper, of course, says... Well, you know, I wish that we could have taken them all out, but at least we got the heaviest hitters. We got Storm, we got Psylocke, and we got Rogue. So I'd say, all things considered, even though we didn't get everybody, this was still a pretty successful night. And that's how this first issue ends. The very last panel, it's like a one-page shot. It's got, you know, Mind Blast is holding an unconscious Storm, and Knockout's holding an unconscious Rogue and Sapphire Sticks is actually just holding on to Psylocke. And one thing that I kind of like here is we get some visual. Um, in the comics, whenever Psylocke uses her mental powers, we get this kind of like butterfly shape of like purple energy around like her face to kind of show that she's using those powers. And now we actually get some weird purplish energy coming from Sapphire Sticks herself. So I guess maybe she does have roguelike powers and that if she absorbs Psylocke's soul that she can also absorb Psylocke's abilities, maybe? I don't know. Or maybe it's just some cool visual that they're like, hey, let's put that in there because it looks cool. So that's the first issue. That is Mystery in Madripoor number one. We have this group of bad ladies being led by Viper, kind of opposing this group of Logan's Angels led by Kitty Pride. We don't know what's going on with Magneto because they actually haven't talked to the real Magneto yet. So there's definitely some good mystery going on. I actually really love the cover of number two because it's just Storm, like, you know, just looking like the typical goddess that she is and she's standing there. And then there's like this blue kind of uh, phantomy figure of like Patch and he kind of has his arm around Storm a little bit. He's looking over her shoulder and he's got his claw popped. So I haven't actually talked about the artwork yet. I've mostly been talking about the story. I think so far... Zub has a decent voice for all of the different ex-ladies, and he's set up an interesting mystery. Like, these characters seem to know that the X-Men were coming and they were ready for them. But as far as the artwork goes, I'm not really a huge fan. Like, Tony Silas did some work for DC way back when that was actually pretty enjoyable, and I, and I liked the artwork, but for this, it doesn't really work. We have Storm, Psylocke, Kitty, Rogue, Jubilee, and Domino all on the same team. And they're all the exact same height. They're all the exact same body shape and body type. And all of their faces look the exact same. Now, Jubilee and Psylocke currently are in bodies of Asian women. And Storm is an African, basically, goddess. Kitty is a very young Jewish girl. And Rogue is a southern runaway. Like, these are characters who should have distinct appearances and things about them that are different from all of the other characters. And yet, every single one of these women is drawn the exact same way. 
Now, it's not to say that they're not drawn in a way that works for the story that's being told, but I just, I want to see them different. Storm should be tall. Kitty should be short. Same thing with Jubilee. Psylocke should be different. Like Domino and Rogue should have a little bit more dimensions to them, Like, but, but they don't. They're all just the exact same. Same faces, same height, same body type, same everything. And that kind of goes for the men too. Like we haven't really seen a whole lot, but Magneto was the exact same height and build and body shape as the dude that was working the bar at the princess bar. So I just, I don't like to see that. Like Logan is really the only one who looks distinctive here. And even Logan, he should be shorter than pretty much everyone except Kitty, but he's the exact same height as all the other characters. He's the same height as Storm and Rogue and Domino. You get the picture. The artwork itself isn't terrible. I just, I don't like when characters are drawn in a way that they're indistinguishable from others, especially characters who should be so distinct as this group of women. So with Psylocke being taken captive at the end of the first issue, we have a new narrator. This time we have yellow and blue for the narration boxes. And we see that Kitty is wearing all blue with like a yellow kind of handkerchief. And um, she's, she's talking about what Logan meant to her, you know, that Logan was a hero, he was not a killer, and at one point in her life, she thought that she was a killer, but Logan saw the hero underneath and he never gave up on her. Of course, these are references to the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries that we have discussed previously on this show in episode 14. It is one of my all-time favorite Wolverine stories. It is one of my all-time favorite Kitty stories. It's one of my all-time favorite Marvel ninja slash samurai stories. Fantastic, fantastic story. If you haven't read it, read it. If you haven't listened to that old episode, go check out episode 14 of this show and hear all about it. It is fantastic. And of course, if Kitty's in Madripoor, if Kitty is remembering Wolverine, of course she's going to remember that part of her life. That was really what cemented the Wolverine and Kitty Pride mentor mentee relationship and uh, a relationship that is probably one of the best relationships in all of X-Men. The Wolverine and Kitty Pride friendship, they have like a like a big brother kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's one of the best and most wholesome relationships in all of x-men comics so and it really cemented itself there so naturally we have this team being led by kitty if she's going to take some time to reflect on her time with wolverine of course she's going to remember this point in her life so it's cool that they bring that back um, but before we can have like an entire recap of everything we're bringing we're drawn back into the present and basically what happens is kitty pride when she phased domino and jubilee through the floor in the King's Impresario restaurant, they ended up in the sewers of Madripoor. Both Domino and Jubilee have some choice words for what they are now smelling, uh, but they're luckily able to get out of the sewers pretty quickly. The scene then changes to another part of the island, and now we get to kind of see what's going on with Viper and her team. So now we have Viper... Her name is Ophelia Sarkisian. She's a criminal mastermind and strategist. We have Mind Blast, Danielle Forte. She has psychic abilities. We have Knockout, named Elizabeth Rawson. She's got superhuman strength and endurance. I actually thought it was Frenzy, uh, Joanna Cargill, when I first was reading it. But then they were like, hey, I'm Knockout. And I was like, oh, okay. It must be someone else. And then we have Snake Whip, formerly known as Whiplash, and her name is Leanne Foreman. She wields wrist-mounted metal cables. So, and apparently she's a skilled combatant. So that's the introductions to this evil team we have so far. We then see that the real Magneto has been kidnapped and is being held prisoner by this little group, Viper and her team. Right now we have Mind Blast and Sapphire Sticks down there. Um, just messing with wool uh, excuse me with magneto and then the other ones kind of come down and they put storm and rogue in there too we then cut back up to snake whip and viper snake whip is like pouring viper some liquor so we get the feeling that 
Viper is at this point trying to set herself back up, possibly as the leader of the Madriporian underworld, which I think last time it was in the hands of Tiger Tiger. Either way, we see that Viper is actually working for someone or something, and they have plans to launch a rocket up into space for Soterra. It just says something like, you know, focus on finalizing the delivery. All that we are serves the will of Soterra. It's just this faceless kind of uh, hologram that they're talking to, kind of like the Emperor with Vader. It looks like this group is kind of bankrolling Viper in her campaign to reassert herself as the dominant party in the Madriporian underworld. And um, in exchange, they're sending some sort of shipment to this Soterra place. Although we're not really quite sure what the shipment is or what they're really talking about. I actually jumped the gun a little bit here. We find out that there's some sort of rocket being launched a little later on in this series. So my bad, but whatever. Um, we do cut to a scene where Sapphire Sticks is coming back to have some more snack, you know, on uh, Psylocke's soul. And she realizes like, oh my gosh, there's no heartbeat and no breath. I've already killed Psylocke. Kind of a throwaway moment to reveal the death of a major X-Man. Psylocke has been taken prisoner by this group of evil ladies. And one of them is so uncontrollable that she just ate all of Psylocke's soul. And now Psylocke is dead. Kind of an unceremonious death for her, uh, of an extremely major X-Men character. And and then the scene just changes. She's just like, oh dear, I've killed Psylocke. Meh. And then we cut to this safe house again at the bottom of the princess bar where we have Kitty and Jubilee and Domino and they're kind of licking their wounds. Kitty's um, helping Domino with the scratches on her back and they're discussing their plan. Like, okay, what do we have to do? We're missing half of our team. Obviously, we have to stop these evil ladies. We have to figure out what the heck happened to Magneto, and we have to figure out how to do it. So they're thinking, well, hey, maybe we can ask Tiger Tiger, or maybe we can just figure out a way to do it ourselves. Either way, we have to figure out what is going on. For some reason, the ex-ladies are all just hanging out in their underwear, which makes like absolutely no sense. I mean, I guess if they're going to do Domino's back, she would probably at least have to have her shirt off but like why kitty's hanging out in her underwear i don't know we know that they were in the sewer and they probably don't smell good so they've wanted to change but i don't know it just seemed unnecessary especially when they all look the exact same anyway kitty's like look i have an idea we need to change tactics let's uh let's do what patch would do let's just go straight up a hundred percent against them so they all change into clothes nothing special like at one point kitty's wearing one of patch's eye patches but she doesn't keep wearing it which is too bad she would have looked cool anyway they they decide they're gonna start shaking down all the people in lowtown for information on viper and her team of bad guys of you know where they are where they hang out any information and after a little while they're able to find out that snake whip at least um constantly goes to this one casino to do some gambling called wheelers and dealers and so that's where they go they're like all right well we've shooken down all the uh, undesirables here in lowtown which is basically everybody in lowtown um, and we found out that at least one of viper's crew hangs out at wheelers and dealers so they arrive and they're able to spot it looks like bloodlust pretty quickly um while she's gambling and so they immediately go and start a confrontation with her eventually like kidnapping her but not exactly kidnapping her rather they kidnap the guy that she was with the guy that she was gambling with um, who it turns out is working both for them and as well as working on a, um, a, a, a shuttle launch or a satellite launch so, like I said, I, I kind of jumped a gun a little early, um, but here's kind of where they find out. Um, and so they're like, okay, well, then take us to the launch pad. And he's like, fine, just please don't kill me. Because Domino is uh, pretty believable 
in her desire to kill him. The scene then changes again. Now we're back to uh, Rogue and Storm and Magneto being held captive. Unfortunately, they've taken into account Rogue's considerable strength and she's unable to break her bonds. She looks over at Storm to see that Storm is not responding to being chained up very well. You see, Storm is claustrophobic and enclosed spaces or not being able to move really freaks her out but somehow she's managing to channel that fear into rage and even though she's not really able to do anything to free herself she is causing the weather outside to go nuts there's rain there's lightning there's high winds there is all kinds of stuff going on in madripoor the scene then changes again and now we're back with sapphire sticks as she's like gloating i guess to betsy's corpse that she killed her i don't know it's pretty morbid it's really kind of disturbing and eventually she goes over and realizes that betsy is now her body is now laying in the lap of patch she drops her wine glass she screams And Patch is sitting there just like cradling the lifeless body of Betsy. And he's like, Sapphire, sweetie, you've been a real bad girl. You know what that means, don't you? Old Patch here is going to have to dish out some appropriate punishment. And the second, that's how the second issue ends. And it's like, oh my gosh, Patch is alive. Wolverine's here. Holy crap. Takes us directly into number three. Now, number three, again, and I don't know for whatever reason this time, maybe it's because we got a little glimpse of the history between Kitty and Logan, so we don't need to start this issue with that. We have a new narrative voice. Narrative voice? I don't think that's right. We have a new narrative voice in Domino. And she's remembering her days of, you know, her time on X-Force with Logan and how they had a brief fling and all kinds of other stuff. And it all mostly just seems kind of unnecessary. I mean, I understand that Rogue and Storm are like indisposed at the moment, but even Jubilee, I feel, had better background to to highlight with Logan than Domino and her fling. But it's it's fine. Um, her voice is a little bit grittier and less optimistic than Kitty, so it does provide like a decent shift in the tone of this issue which this issue being the third one is probably going to be the the most dark of all the four issues so i guess picking domino for the narrator for this issue does kind of make sense but whatever so the the scientist guy this mathematician this dude that was hanging out with viper's crew at the uh, casino has taken them to the launch pad Obviously, they can't launch because of the weather, thanks to Storm and her rage. Uh, But they are there, and they're trying to infiltrate this launch site when the scene changes. And now we have Viper kind of telling that same guy from the last issue, like, I have bad news. I know that you said go ahead and prepare the delivery, but we can't launch the shuttle in the weather. So we're going to have to wait until the weather's gone. And the dude's like, no, that's unacceptable. Um, Compensate for the weather. And once the rocket is above the clouds, we'll take it from there. But you need to get it in the air. And I don't care about any excuses. And so Viper's like, fine, we'll do it. And then like, as soon as this transmission is ended, there's this blood curdling scream laughter. It's like screaming laughter. And Viper's like, what the heck is going on? And they see Sapphire and like, she's going nuts. She's like making, she's like saying all these weird nursery rhymes and she's not making any sense. And they're like, what are you talking about? And she's like, can't you see him? Like Logan's here. He's talking to me. Like he's right there. And they're like, um, no, he's not. You're just crazy. And so now we actually see her and how she perceives Logan. And at the end of the second issue, he was just drawn to look normal and he was human. But in this now, even though he's wearing the same costume and he's dressed up like Patch, he's actually like glowing pink. So now we're like, oh, okay. It's some sort of psychic manifestation. He's not really there. This is just some sort of hallucination 
So what's going on? Like, is Betsy not really dead? And now Betsy's making Sapphire hallucinate that Wolverine is here and that he's going to, like, exact his revenge? In the meantime, we get to see Mind Blast and Knockout uh, kind of, like, controlling the prisoners. Mind Blast is, like, psychically taunting Magneto. Like, are you really an Omega-level mutant? You can't be because it was so easy for me to, you know, take control of you and do this to you. Uh, but before they can really have any kind of conversation or whatever, Jubilee actually drops down from the sky, shooting her fireworks off as usual. I, I should probably point out that in 2017, for the resurrection, uh, like relaunch of all the different X-Men books, there was a book called Generation X by Christina Strain. And in that book, Christina Strain was able to use Quentin Quire to um like turn jubilee back into a mutant for her to re-manifest her mutant powers because thanks to decimation and the results of m day way back when during the whole scarlet witch saying no more mutants thing jubilee was one of the mutants who was turned back into a regular human so she didn't have her mutant powers for a long time and then when christina strain was writing the generation x book um jubilee was like the new leader of the gen x team and she was training the new like generation of teenage mutants one of those mutants was quentin choir and quentin choir somehow along the line had like broken himself off a piece of the phoenix force that he was keeping to like amplify his abilities and uh, he was actually able to use that little bit of the phoenix to kickstart jubilee's mutant powers there was like this big attack and they needed jubilee and her powers so that's what he did in order to save the Generation X team, he restored Jubilee's mutant hood. And so here we are seeing her in all of her mutant firework glory taking on these two. She actually takes knockout. She she kind of knocks her down. Um, and then Kitty is actually able to then come in and uh, join the fight as well. So now we have Jubilee and Kitty fighting against knockout and mind blast. And then we see that Domino, though, is still at the site of this launch pad thing. And while she's there, just kind of scoping it out, trying to figure out a way to stop the launch, she sees, oh, look, um, Rogue and Storm are now in these weird, like, capsule prison things, and they're loading them onto this rocket. So um, I guess the bad ladies are keeping Magneto, but they're sending Rogue and Storm on this rocket up to this Soterra group. Uh, and so Domino's like, well, I guess I should probably stop them. But before she actually has a chance to do anything, she is attacked by Bloodlust, I think is this one. Yeah, because Domino's like, you're called Bloodlust, right? That's a cool name, I guess. I appreciate it, but it's kind of dumb. So they have their little battle. Um, Kitty and Jubilee are fighting against Knockout and Mind Blast. They actually see that this Mind Blast chick has some, like cybernetics or some electronics into like her spinal cord leading up to her weird exposed brain thing so kitty phases through her which actually disrupts the electronics and she's like oh crap without my psychic enhancements my powers are basically nothing um and that means that i can no longer keep magneto like telepathically sedated so now magneto joins the fight and he's not too happy that he's been kept under wraps that he's been made this plaything, this prisoner for so long so he escapes and he's like hey guess what i'm pissed and y'all are gonna pay for what you've been doing to me we then cut again to uh snake whip and sapphire sticks as sapphire sticks like tries to dodge this psychic hallucination of wolverine um and somehow she's also managed to knock down snake whip and even viper uh, needless to say before any of these bad characters can get the upper hand magneto and the remaining x women uh just like make short work of this this group of of bad guys and the last thing is uh the ship the this like weird spaceship thing it, it launches anyway um and kitty's like hey we need to stop this launch because according to Domino, you know, she just told me that uh, they put Storm and Rogue on there. So if you can stop them, that would be great. 
So Magneto's like, sure, I can stop him. Um, and then he's like, oh, wait, no, I can't. In the meantime, and this is kind of strange. So Sapphire is seeing this like weird hallucination of Logan. She starts hearing this like weird voice from the inside. And all it says is it ends here, Sapphire. And all the X ladies can hear it too. And they're like, Betsy, is that you? Um, and she just says like, no more, no more souls. And we see like the body of Sapphire sticks, like explodes. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, um, like glass shattering. And instead you, we just have this weird, like pink body thing underneath this weird explosion. And it says to be concluded. So the X ladies have arrived. They've saved the day. They've like incapacitated all the bad, you know, uh, Viper's team. The shuttle did launch. Magneto's up there trying to stop it. And then the weird thing where Sapphire Sticks like explodes and there's this weird pink like psionic being underneath who's speaking with Betsy's voice. Takes us into Mystery in Madripoor number four, the conclusion of this little four issue miniseries. And it starts off again, Psylocke is the narrator. And so now we're going to kind of see what happened with Psylocke. Did she really die? What's going on? And when Psylocke was incapacitated way back at the end of issue one, the very last thing, the very last word she said was scared. She was saying, I'm scared, but it cut off before she can actually finish the word. It was just like, I'm scared. And then the end. And so this issue starts with the word scared. So now we get kind of get, we're, we're picking up right where we left off with Psylocke. And it just says scared, falling, tumbling, swirling out of control. I'm so scared. And there's this weird, like pink or not pink, excuse me, this weird, like whitish blue naked body, like falling into this black hole. And the walls of the black hole are all these like weird pink faces and hands. So I'm assuming these are probably all souls that have been consumed by Sapphire. And now Betsy is falling into this pit as well. She eventually does. She lands at the bottom and it's not Psylocke. It's like British Betsy. It's Betsy's actual soul, right? Because her soul is in the body of a Japanese lady. But Psylocke, Betsy Braddock, is originally a British, very proper, very rich gal. So this like soul body thing that we're seeing here is actually like the British version of Betsy. And she lands at the bottom of this pit and there's like all these bones and skulls and stuff. And she's starting to forget who she is. You know, she's like, I don't remember who I am. Um, what's going on? And she finds this weird like mirror and her blonde hair starts to turn purple again, just like Psylocke had. And she's like, oh, wait, I remember you are yourself. You are Betsy Braddock. And then she goes, but it feels like a lifetime ago that I was this person. Oh, wait, it was a lifetime ago because I've been, I was merged with this person named Quanin, And I've been Quanin for so long. And so she's just having this weird... She's seen herself in like all the different costumes that she wore before she became Psylocke. When Psylocke merged with Quanon, it was this whole thing from the early 90s. And it's been off and on controversial since then. Anyway, uh, so she kind of just realizes like, I am me and I'm tired of this, this thing where I don't get to be myself. And now I'm this victim of this person, Sapphire Sticks, and like, Oh my gosh, this person has been along for centuries, just eating souls. So we kind of, she's like, oh, okay. She's kind of like, um, Celine, very similar to Celine where she's just this like being that's basically immortal because every time she eats a soul, it just keeps her young and she's been preying on all these souls. So then we get this flash of all these different lives being destroyed and eventually Betsy stumbles upon a piece of Logan's soul, which I assume is supposed to be the whole mystery in Madripoor, right? Like, where is Logan? Oh, here we go. A piece of his soul is inside this person on Madripoor. So kind of weird, but kind of works out. Anyway, Logan's, the piece of his soul, he has these kind, encouraging words for Betsy, you know, and he's like, I've been here forever, but, uh, you know, maybe... 
you need to escape. You need to take control and do what you can. And so Betsy's like, I don't know. We'll fight back, my friend. And that's when she, from like the part of her soul that's alive inside of Sapphire Sticks, teams up with the part of Wolverine's soul. And that's how they're able to manifest that weird psionic hallucination of Patch. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but comics, right? So that's what happens. And as Betsy is you know, partnering up with Logan's soul and everything, she's becoming stronger. And that's when she just says that whole thing, like it ends here, Sapphire, no more, no more souls. That was like the ending part of the last thing. I don't know what Betsy does here. If she just like destroys all these soul remnants or whatever that are inside of Sapphire sticks. I don't know what happens, but she does something and it pretty much makes Sapphire sticks like explode. She just like crumbles into ash. And all of a sudden what happens is Betsy's standing there where Sapphire's body used to be. And Kitty says, Betsy, you're you again, because she's not Quanin. She's no longer in the body of this Japanese assassin. She is in her body again. She is British Betsy again. It's kind of weird. But this was part of the reason why in my original read-throughs of all of these minis that this one was my favorite because I've been wanting Betsy back in her original body for a long time. And I know I wasn't the only one when reading X-Men because it was like, it just seemed kind of weird, you know? All these different characters are getting these rebirths or these resurrections and stuff. And it's like, can't we put Betsy back where she belongs can't we put Quanin back where where she belongs and maybe explore these characters as they are whole rather than this kind of weird thing where they were just kind of put together I don't know so I was a big fan of what happened like I really like the idea of Betsy returning to herself Um, and I this whole thing led to before I stopped reading all the Dawn of X books the one book that I actually liked probably more than all the others was the Excalibur story Um, And so having Betsy return to her body here actually kind of opened the door for that whole return. Anyway, so with Betsy returned to normal and all the ex-women having beaten Viper and her team, there's only one thing left to do, which is to stop this spaceship, this shuttle launch. So that's where Magneto comes in. We saw him at the end of issue three kind of flying up into the sky to work what he's going to do. And now we see that storyline picking up magneto is up in the sky and he's using his powers of magnetism and stuff and he's not able to slow the shuttle and he just kind of says like i must have been weakened in when they were feeding on me that sapphire chick was eating my soul and that mind blast chick was like keeping me weirdly telepathically sedated and it sucked and i guess i'm not back to 100 percent. but he's able to slow it down enough where kitty somehow is able to get onto the rocket and kind of like in an homage almost to astonishing x-men she has to uh phase her way through this like you know giant bullet this giant thing eventually she is able to find rogue and find storm and she's able to phase them out so they're not able to stop the rocket but they're at least able to rescue Storm and Rogue. Although it does seem like there were other containers in there too. So I don't know if uh, this Soterra group managed to get their hands on other mutants or at least other people from Madripoor, but it definitely seemed that way. But either way, Kitty was able to rescue her team and with the remaining X-Men now saved, they are finally able to um, sedate Viper and her whole team. And that's kind of how this whole series ends. There's a kind of a brief recap from Psylocke about what happened in the aftermath of Magneto. Basically, he swore he'd destroy the launch site, track down Viper, and, you know, purge every vestige of her criminal empire from Madripoor. Hopefully that's enough to keep him busy so that he doesn't slide back into his old bad habits. And Kitty's just kind of talking. We find out the bartender's name is Halliday, and she's like, thanks, Halliday, for your help. And he's like, don't worry about it. Patch always paid his debts and did right by me, so it was only fair that I do right by him. And then all the different ex-ladies, Storm and Rogue and Domino and Kitty and Jubes, 
they're all kind of doing a recap and they're like, well, we didn't find any Wolverine. We didn't find any patch. We didn't find any Logan, but we did get at least a lead. We know now that these ladies were working for an even scarier group called Soterra. So, you know, now we'll have to, uh, we'll have to figure out what's going on and who this Soterra group is. And I think we get like the final couple pages. We have Psylocke, Betsy on like this bridge as Betsy with uh, Jubilee kind of approaching her and being like, look, I know what it's like to have something taken away from you and then have it restored. And like, yeah, it's everything you've ever wanted and everything you've ever dreamed of, but it is weird. It is difficult to deal with. So, you know, I'm here for you if you need someone to talk to or, you know, as you're just trying like getting reacclimated to yourself, like I'm here for you. And Psylocke's like, you know, I, thanks Jubes. I really appreciate that. I have to say it is kind of weird because I do finally feel like Quanin and I are no longer the same. We are now different again. We're our own people again. And, you know, I think that Quanin isn't part of my destiny anymore. Now she has her own destiny. And the very last page is we actually see the real Quanin taking some guy like hostage and being like, I have questions. And that's like, that's it. That's mystery in Madripoor. Those are the four issues. Um, conceptually, I really like the story. I love the idea of like this team of all these ex-women who have all these ties to Logan, whether it be romantic ties or friendship ties, you know, mentor, teacher, that sort of thing, uh, all just kind of come together and be like, look, Logan has meant a lot to all of us. So we owe it to him to figure out what's going on. If he's alive and he's being manipulated or something, it's our job to to find him and stop that. You know, if, if Logan is in fact, um, you know, undead or whatever, then we have to figure out a way to stop that too. So let's get together. Let's go to the parts of Wolverine's life that he's always kept the most private and figure out what we can do. So again, like I said, conceptually, I really like the idea of these women going back to Madripoor. I love the team. The writing wasn't terrible. Uh, I do feel like Jim Zub did manage to capture different voices for Psylocke, for Kitty, and for Domino, which I appreciate. A couple of different weird things in the story, like when they were all just hanging out in their underwear was kind of weird. Um, and then just the artwork, like I said, uh, the artwork, I, I didn't really enjoy the artwork in this series. If it had like any of the other three artists from the other three miniseries, I think it would have been probably the best of them. Um, as it stands, I don't actually on this reread, I don't really like it as much as I did the first time around. Like, I'm glad that Betsy was restored. And like I said, conceptually, I really enjoy it, but yeah, just, I felt like it was one of the weaker stories. Um, I didn't really get an idea that there was anything between Viper and Soterra. Like it, they could have chosen any, you know, fill in the blank bad guys. Maybe the whole Viper thing, re trying to reassert herself does lend itself to like further X-Men blue stories. And maybe these other, you know, dangerous women show up again, but I don't know. Um, I do know that uh, Betsy getting her body back did lead to the Excalibur series. Uh, so I do appreciate that. And of course, we learned the name Soterra. So I guess there was that. Um, kind of seems that we could have had all of this important stuff in like one issue. But either way. So that is Mystery in Madripoor. That covers our first of the four four-issue minis that are part of Hunt for Wolverine. And of course, this issue, as well as the other three, or this series, as well as the other three series, are kind of wrapped up in Wolverine Dead Ends, which I will talk about in three weeks, along with Claws of a Killer. Next up, I will probably be discussing Adamantium Agenda. Um, I think of the four series, Adamantium Agenda is probably the strongest series, although it's only my second favorite. Um, I actually like Weapon Lost, the best of the four. So I'm really excited to get to that one in about uh, two weeks. But next week, I should be going through Adamantium Agenda from Tom Taylor and R.B. Silva. So, Bubs, 
Thanks so much for tuning in. Everyone who discovered this podcast with uh, last week's episode, my first episode in almost a year and a half. Thank you for coming back. Longtime listeners, thanks again for sticking with it. At the time of this recording, you know, my uh, my last episode had only been out for a few days and I've already seen a lot more listens and downloads than I was expecting. It, ser- it seems that a lot of you, despite the fact that I was gone for so long, despite the fact that I left social media, you guys didn't give up on the show. And so I really appreciate that. That actually means a lot. Coming back and having this idea to do this six Uh, episode series on this particular event and seeing that there are so many of you out there still willing to listen to the show it just it means a lot so everyone who came back thank you so much all the new listeners thanks for listening hopefully you guys will stick with it and i'll see you all again next week as we discuss adamantium agenda So, Bubs, if you like the show and want to continue the conversation, unfortunately, I am no longer on Twitter and I'm not really anywhere else, but you can reach out to me via email. I'm at talksnicked at gmail.com, T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to shoot me an email with um, complaints, criticisms. If you want to heap some praise on the show, I can always use a good ego massage. Um, So let me know what you think. If you have any recommendations or uh, requests for upcoming topics let me know Um, i'm planning on changing the format of the show after this whole six episode series on this particular event is over i'm not planning to return to a weekly show i know the format of the show used to be i would pick a new topic for every month and then all four or five episodes in that month would have to deal with that topic. So I'm definitely planning on keeping the whole theme, the whole topic alive, but rather just coming in and doing a couple of little uh, series here. So it might be, I'm going to do this event and it's only going to be three weeks. So for three weeks, we're going to get an episode. Then I'll take some time off as I come up with my new theme, do my new research, that sort of thing. So um, I'm still planning on keeping the overall format, just probably not as a weekly podcast, But that also means that I might dive in and have an event or a topic that actually takes eight weeks to cover or 12 weeks. So there's we do have those kind of possibilities opening up as well. So, again, like I said, if you have any requests or suggestions for upcoming topics or themes, shoot me an email, talksnicked at gmail.com. Since the show's coming back, I kind of need to build up my listenership again. So it would mean a lot to me if those of you who haven't, Um, jump on and rate and review the podcast. You know, five-star reviews really go a long way to getting the show to start showing back up at the, the, you know, at the top of searches and things like that when people are looking for Wolverine or X-Men related podcasts. So um, if you can take the time out of your day, do a rating or a review, that would also mean a lot to me. So Bubs, this has been Mystery in Madripoor. Tune in next week for Adamantium Agenda. Until next time, Bubs. (laughs) 